What's good, everyone? Welcome to another show, the XFL All Fantasy Football DFS Podcast. I'm your host here, Mark Hogan, aka at DFS underscore Marlin. You can see all of my content over at fantasyguru.com. Appreciate everyone listening today. It is it is Thursday, April 13th. And we have got an exciting weekend in the XFL here. Really looking forward to getting after it here this weekend. We've got playoffs on the line. We've got all kinds of do-or-die scenarios here. Really an interesting uh, weekend here for the XFL. Appreciate everyone listening in. If you do like our con- my content here, uh, you can chat with me on the Discord. You can um, read all of our, my content behind the paywall over at FantasyGuru.com. Or feel free to go ahead and give me a follow on Twitter at DFS underscore Marlin. So we've got a jam-packed here episode heading into week nine of the XFL season. This is in a crucial point in the season. So um, really want to emphasize, you know, these teams are starting to gear up for the playoffs. We need to make sure that our players are fresh, but also you know, lock in and clinch those playoff spots here. So this is kind of a tricky time to navigate through the XFL landscape, a lot of transition and turnover in general. So I'm going to be playing a little bit lighter than normal this weekend, especially since I'll be allocating some of my funds to the USFL, which excited to start that season and get underway. Before we get started, I do want to address something that was really driving me crazy this weekend, and that was the amount of people on Twitter commenting on what, you know, the USFL being real football, right? So, what does that even mean, real football? So, XFL is not real football, the NFL is not real football, like, what are we talking about here? College football is not real football, it's just the USFL, they're the only ones that apparently play real football, according to some of these people on Twitter. So I'm not really sure what that's about. It's clearly a jab. It's clearly people taking sides. Um, I guess wanting the USFL to pan out, maybe the XFL to not. It's almost like taking sides with the media networks. Uh, so it's obviously very clear that the XFL is backed behind like ESPN, where the USFL is more on the Fox team. I don't know if there's like political efforts driven behind that, but end of the day, man, like it's just football. Can we just enjoy it for what it is? You know, this isn't the league, this isn't the NFL, but it is the, you know, probably closest thing to it as far as talent goes. And it's been very entertaining. So I would say this has been a successful season in the XFL. And personally, I want to see both of them do well. I'd love to see the USFL do well here too. Love to be able to enjoy both leagues going back and forth over the course of the entire offseason. I mean, we're talking about we started the XFL a week after the Super Bowl. That took us, that's taken us all the way into uh, pretty much uh, May here. And then the USFL takes us all the way into the end of June, right? And then at that point, we're 
gearing up. We got a few weeks leading up to training camp for the NFL. So it pretty much gives us football year-round. What What's to complain about that? So that's my little rant here. Like, Can we just appreciate all of it for what it is and not have to take sides and just hope that they both pan out? Um, I think they are going to pan out. I do personally, again, I do see, I want to put this on tape, these two leagues merging at some point. I could see potentially maybe even the long-term Uh, The league's almost shaped out as conferences, like how the NFL is set up with the AFC and NFC, and there's some sort of championship game between the two leagues at the end of the season. I think that would be fun. I think that would be kind of the dream, and at the end of the day, if you had the two leagues merge, you're talking about 16 teams. So I think hopefully that's where we're, we're headed here. Uh, for the purposes of today's show, we're going to dive into transactions. We'll talk through the injury report. We'll look at some lines. We'll talk through some team defense. And we'll then dive into um, talking through some, some lineup construction here. Uh, I'm going to save the lineup construction talk primarily uh, for behind the paywall over at Fantasy Guru. But we'll talk a little bit about it. Um, just because we are a little bit further into the week. I know a lot of the people that are listening are Fantasy Guru subscribers, so um, give you something here, and then we can obviously talk in the Discord after as well. So let's dive into the transactions really quick. I'd like to we'll – we'll start off at the beginning of the week. And so we saw at the beginning of the week uh, a few moves being made. So we saw uh, Tommy Champion, a tackle. He was released from the Roughnecks. The Roughnecks also dropped Kari Vincent, a cornerback. He was actually you know really a sought-after player before the start of the season. So that is a surprising move. Uh, well, I guess not surprising, but that is a um, it was a very underwhelming player here for that team. Shy Baker, linebacker, he was added to the Roughnecks. Rico Jeffers, cornerback, was also added uh, off of the reserve list for the Brahmas, so they're getting even healthier here. Markel Utzi, defensive tackle for D.C., was released. Marco Domio, cornerback, was added to the Brahmas. Jamison Houston, cornerback, was added to the Brahmas. Fernando Fry with the Vipers, tackle, was added Jack Kerner, that was a big injury last weekend. Safety for the Brahmas, he was sent to the injured reserve. Uh, Ryan Lewis, cornerback, was brought to the injured reserve for the Brahmas as well. So we're seeing some shuffling around on that defense, but nothing really too crazy. Tony Adams the uh, with the Vipers, uh, guard, was sent to the injured reserve, and Fernando Fry was added. Um, I, I think this is really funny, so I was never into this, but saw like all kinds of people... Pumping up Jakari Robertson uh, for the Roughnecks wide receiver, saying how he was gonna make all kinds of you know moves and uh, he was gonna go off last week and I don't know did he even see the field, um, but he got he got released uh, on yesterday on Wednesday. Dari Rosenthal, a tackle, it's actually a highly respected player in the alt football landscape, was added to the DC Defenders. Jeremy Cox uh, with Houston, he was added as a running back. That is likely in result of Lee, uh, the running back. He got hurt uh, for Houston, so they need a third string back there. Tarkarius Tisdale, a defensive end. He was added to uh, Seattle's roster. Nidair Rose, a cornerback for D.C., 
Uh, he was sent to the injured reserve. And finally, Liam Jimmins, guard for Seattle, was sent to the injured reserve as well. Uh, it is notable that we did see Payne with Arlington. He is going to be out, uh, sent to the injured reserve. That is a big blow for that linebacker core. Um, so we do have uh, – that is a pretty significant injury here. I do have some more injury news to share. Uh, Jordan Evans, the linebacker for Seattle, he is out and placed on injured reserve. So that uh, is another big blow. It's an, a spot that we like to, to really get after here. Uh, Cody Latimer, he's not going to be playing this weekend. So that could potentially cause some problems for the Orlando offense. And I think those are some of the biggest injuries, I would say. Let me just double-check this here. Martavis Bryant, he's probably going to be out. That's not – I mean, Martavis Bryant has been so disappointing that that's not even really news at this point. Um, he's been kind of relevant. I mean, he – Started to show signs of life last week, but now he's out. So it's really been a disappointing season here for him. It's unfortunate. I don't think we're ever going to see Martavis Bryant get back to the league at this point. Um, so that's pretty much it. That's that's it as far as uh, injuries goes, I would say, are the most significant ones. Uh, let's go ahead and we'll dive into... I want to go ahead and dive into team defense, so give you guys an update on what that looks like. Uh, We have the St. Louis Battlehawks. They do, again, lead the league in the amount of rushing yards allowed, so they are the worst team as far as, uh, you know, against the rush goes. Vegas Vipers in close second, Orlando Guardians in third. So really, there's the Battlehawks. They lead the way, and that's, you know, mainly because of that game against D.C. where Abram Smith went off. And the Vegas Vipers are just about 100 yards behind them on the season. So that's pretty close. Then we see a drop-off. And we see the Guardians and Seattle Sea Dragons. They're both within the 700 rushing yard range allowed. So about 200 rushing yards short of Vegas. And then the D.C. Defenders, uh, they are the best team against the rush in the league. So after eight games, they've only allowed 583 rushing yards total. All right where the Battlehawks, it's 132 yards per game, basically, and the Vipers are 117. Personally, I think the Vipers are the worst team truly against the Rush. I think if you take out that battle, I mean, you know, we should be taking out games. It happened. Um, But Abram Smith and D.C. are really good, as are a really good team uh, when it comes to running the ball. So, you know, if we compared that to Vegas, um, we negate that uh, crazy kind of blow-up game. Uh, they're they're probably still neck and neck there um, as far as comparable rush defenses. As far as passing yards goes, the D.C. defenders have given up the most passing yards. So even though they are the best team against the run, they are the worst team against the pass. And I've been saying they've actually been a bad team against the pass Uh, Pretty much all season, I think a lot of people out there wanted to chalk it up to, well, they've been playing up. They've had a lot of teams coming from behind. I don't know. I mean, we saw, again, we saw it last week. Uh, Their secondary got lit up. 
and they made they create turnovers. The those defensive backs, there's a lot of interceptions in that secondary here. But you know, when I when I look at that team, they take their shots. They're just aggressive. They go after the ball. But you know, when that happens, you're going to get beat sometimes. And so it's a defense that's aggressive, but they're going to take their shots and also give up some big plays along the way. So I still like to go after that secondary here. The Battlehawks secondary, surprisingly, is the best. They've only given up 1,300 passing yards on the season. I would say they've really improved over the course of the season here. So they didn't really start off well, but you know, week in and week out, um, they have gotten better and better here. Now, part of that, I would say, is due to matchups. They've kind of lucked out as, against some of the teams that they've played. Um, for example, they've played Vegas the last two of the three weeks. They got Houston uh, with no Brandon Silvers. So they've kind of caught a few breaks along the way. Uh, but nonetheless, I mean, it's still 150 yards less than the next uh, best team with the Roughnecks at 14, uh, 1,454 passing yards allowed. All right, um, let's go ahead. I want to dive into the the lines here. So let me get into the Vegas lines. Uh, so we have Vegas. Again, we have Vegas against the Roughnecks. Uh, this is a 43.5-point uh, spread that's going to be Saturday at 1230. The Roughnecks are minus 6.5-point favorites, a minus 250 money line. We also have on Saturday at 7 p.m. the Guardians uh, playing the Brahmas in San Antonio in that dome. We've got that game. That's the lowest total on the slate, 39.5 points. Honestly, that's rightfully so. Um, I think that's a pretty good line here for what that game is going to be. Um, honestly, that might be even less. That might be even less. We'll see. Uh, so San Antonio, that they're a minus two-point uh, favorite. So, you know, Vegas is expecting that to be a close game. Uh, Arlington against D.C. They're playing Sunday at noon in D.C. That's going to be a sold-out crowd. The Rock announced earlier today that game is officially sold out at Audi Field. So that's going to be a heck of a game to watch. Really, both games on Sunday are going to be a blast to watch. 41.5 point total. And D.C. is a minus 8.5 point favorite. That's going to be an interesting game because... Um, I don't see him anywhere on the injury report, but Jordan Tiamo is visibly hurt. You could tell that shoulder was bothering him. So I would imagine we're probably going to see some more Derek King. Um, I would imagine maybe we see them hold back a little bit on using Abram Smith to make sure that we're keeping him healthy. I mean, if you look at their injury report, they have a lot of guys on that injury report. That thing is crowded. So I think D.C., especially given their record, are looking for ways to keep their team intact and start getting ready here for the playoffs. Now, uh, lastly, we do have Seattle playing St. Louis. Uh, This is a do-or-die game. So if Seattle loses, they are eliminated from the playoffs. If St. Louis wins, they clinch the playoffs. So this is a home game in St. Louis. I can tell you that that game is going to be a blast to watch as well. That's Sunday at 3. St. Louis is currently minus 1.5 point favorites uh, with a total of 46 points, the highest implied total on the slate. 
All right, so we went over some news, some notes here. Um, I'm going to dive into, again, I'm going to keep this short and sweet here. I think that's good to, to point out some of those items. Uh, but I do want to highlight a couple different matchups that I'm liking here for this week. Uh, one is TJ Vasher. So I will point out TJ Vasher, he is a 6'6 receiver. He's going up against a 5'10 cornerback in Shaq Wiggins. Uh, Shaq Wiggins, he's been targeted at a team high 29 times, surrendering, surrendering 20 catches for 266 yards and four touchdowns. TJ Vasher is only 3500 bucks, so I'm liking that play here. And I will point out in that Seattle-St. Louis game, Jacor Pearson. Um, I know he's had a rough going these last several weeks here, but um, this is certainly a team he can get right on. If you're going to go ahead and attack the secondary, it would be in the slot position. I know St. Louis has given up the least amount of yards, uh, but we did see Jacor Pearson score a touchdown and have a good game against this team in week two. And I do think there's going to be a lot of people due to his price point off of Jacor Pearson going into this week here. So I do think that is a viable play and a relatively good matchup here as well for him specifically. Uh, perfect. Uh, so those were a couple matchups that I wanted to highlight for y'all. Um, again, we're pretty far into the week here, so I can't give out everything. But let's see what else I can give you here for now. Well, you know what? We'll just go right into lineup construction. We'll talk through that. I think that'll be that'll be a good way to do this. Give you some more of my thoughts by just looking at some lineups themselves here. I will say we talked through those lines. We have been absolutely crushing these XFL uh, bets here. Uh, so if you look in the Discord and the XFL bets channel, um, I think we're like six for seven in the last two and a half weeks here or something like that or seven for eight. Something like that. If you took all of our picks uh, from last week and parlayed them, you would have won. We went three for three last week. Actually, four for four. Um, Tyler, he posted one as well, and he hit on his. So I've got some bets lined up. I'll be posting in the Discord uh, shortly after I record this podcast. Uh, let's go ahead and pull up the XFL on DraftKings. And we'll look at quarterbacks. So we got Ben DiNucci, AJ McCarron. They're both priced exorbitantly high. So Ben DiNucci is twelve thousand two hundred bucks, and AJ McCarron is eleven thousand seven hundred. Um, good. Would imagine a lot of people are not going to touch AJ McCarron because of that out tag on DraftKings. And I think the nice thing about the XFL on DraftKings is because of the fact that they neglect uh, the maintenance of it, um, you can get some of these players that are going to end up playing uh, with that. IR status tag still next to them. So that'll really drive the ownership down. 
uh, just because of the psychological aspect of people not wanting to play a guy that, you know, the app is telling them that they're injured or out. So I think AJ McCarron is going to play this weekend. I would have a hard time. Uh, that would give me a, I would have a hard time wrapping in my head around the fact that they would still not play AJ McCarron in a game where if they win, they clinch the playoffs. And there's only two weeks left in the season, so you're really going to risk it and then need to win that final game of the season to clinch the playoffs? I don't think so. So I think A.J. McCarron's playing, so he's certainly in play against the Seattle team. Um, Not really interested in Quentin Dormandy. Really like Jalen McClendon for his rushing ability. Jack Cohn is interesting at seventy nine hundred bucks. I don't know if I'm going there though. So you know, for the sake of this, I do like McCarron, um, but I'm gonna go. I'm gonna mess around with Jalen McClendon here. I do like his rushing ability. I think he's gonna be in a play from behind script. If I look at running backs here. Uh, Brian Hill is the guy that sticks out to me. Abram Smith. I think that he is. Really, really pricey. He doesn't do a whole lot in the passing game. And Arlington, despite you know being extremely depleted at the linebacker position, I think they're going to fight hard in this game. And I could also see Abram Smith not taking a full workload. Or Brian Hill, we have Mateo Durant. He is going to be out. And Brian Hill, I mean, even if he doesn't score a touchdown, the guy gets catches out of the backfield like no other. He's getting plenty of rushing attempts, so really like the direction of going with Brian Hill here. A couple other guys that I do like here are Jaquez Patrick and Phil Lindsay. Uh, Jordan Levette, because Rod Smith is possibly out. We have to look at the status on him still. Keep up with that. And Raquel Armstead is an interesting play at 4400 bucks as well. So I'm going to go ahead with Brian Hill for... For this, uh, for the sake of this here, now we have to play. <coughs> we have to play some receivers or tight ends. Um, if we're looking for some dumpster dive plays here, I have a lot of that posted in the Discord. We'll have our, our official core four here posting tomorrow afternoon. But if I'm looking at some high-end options here, I do like the idea of running out Jacor Pearson. So I'll go ahead and throw him in the lineup. And if I look for maybe something a little less expensive, uh, I think Sal Canelo is an interesting play at 6600 bucks. I think that's a very fair price point for a guy that, yeah, he really didn't do a whole lot last week with Perez, but I'm going to chalk that up to the game plan more than anything. And D.C. does allow the most passing yards, especially in the middle of the field against some of their linebacker positions and in the slot. So I do like Sal Canella at 6600 bucks. I'll throw him in my lineup here for the purposes of tonight. And that leaves us with our two flex spots. I'm going to go to defense. I think this one is an important one. This is one that we don't really talk about in the article, so I do think this is helpful for everyone here. Vegas is only 3500 bucks. Orlando against San Antonio is 3800 bucks. 
I don't think I'm messing with Seattle at four grand. I think the Brahmas at forty one hundred bucks. I think that's really interesting. I'm probably that's probably what I'm going to do. Their defense is really good. They don't really have many issues as far as injuries goes. Uh, Orlando is going to be out um, as far as Cody Lat- Cody Latimer is not going to be playing. So I think that's our best opportunity in the way kind of the the cheapest defense with the most upside. Kind of what I like to do. I don't really like to pay up for defense too frequently. And that leaves us with no money. Um, 8400 bucks total for two flex spots. So we got to figure something out here. Let's go dirt cheap. I do like the idea of... Uh, do like the idea of... Um, I think Ethan Wolf is really interesting. Um, that gives us still a good amount of, of money here to spend on another player. So, I mean, he, he Jordan Tiamu missed him on a wide-open touchdown pass last weekend, and he played a really good game. So Ethan Wolf, he had his opportunities last weekend, and Tiamu just didn't connect with him. I don't know, football's kind of like that. A lot of coaches... They see something like that, and a guy plays well. They want to reward that player, so I wouldn't be surprised if they went back and drew something up in the red zone again for Ethan Wolf. So let's go ahead and play him. That gives me fifty nine hundred bucks, <coughs> and puts us in a little bit of a dilemma because we got Chris Blair at fifty nine hundred bucks, but you know already playing Ethan Wolf. So uh, let's go ahead and uh, for the purposes of this lineup, I do like uh, Levette. So if Rod Smith is out, Don Levette is an interesting play against Houston. Uh, he gets catches out of the backfield as well. Um, pretty inexpensive for a player that's likely going to see 10 to 15 touches. So I'll go ahead and go John Levette, and that will build out the rest of my lineup. So there you have it. Uh, for the purposes of this lineup on Thursday night, we're going Jalen McClendon, Brian Hill, Jacor Pearson, Sal Canella, Ethan Wolf, John Levette, and San Antonio Brahma's defense. So that's all I have here for today. I appreciate everyone listening. I know this is a little bit more of a kind of short and sweet episode. Um, again, if you want all of our content here, if you want to, I mean, we've, it's been a slow couple weeks the last couple weeks, but overall we have been absolutely crushing from a DFS perspective for the XFL season. And on top of that, we have the USFL. So I do planning plan on putting out some content for the USFL. We do have a USF article that our, our main man, Jorge Pucks over there on Fantasy Guru has published. Um, so he's, he's putting out some content on that front. And uh, we're going to be playing some USFL DFS this weekend as well. So might be putting up uh, some sort of podcast if I have some time on the USFL week one, uh, too. So appreciate everyone listening in. Thank you so much for your time this evening. And you have a great rest of the night.